passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. everyone, and welcome to another episode of Thunderstruck, our look back at the greatest matches in the career of Wanjushin Thunder Liger, uh, as picked by each unique and standalone guest of this podcast. Uh, my name is W.H. Park. Of course, I am the host of the uh, Post Perez Show, along with John Pollock. Uh, today, we're going to look at the 90s, and uh, joining me today is a guest I had over at uh, Cruel Summer, uh, my look at the G1 Climax Finals from uh, 19... Well, I can't remember now. Was it ni- 1991 to 2018? Uh, yep. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, and you can hear his voice. So my guest today is uh, my good friend, the turncoat, Joey Bay. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be on. I'm glad you've uh well you haven't technically forgiven me for uh betraying your opinion on Big Japan Pro Wrestling, but yeah. uh you've allowed me back on your podcasting shows. So I'm I'm excited to be back on and it's uh it's a pleasure. Yeah, so uh, we don't really have to go deep into um your history as a wrestling fan because I, I do think like a lot of the people who listen to Cruel Summer and you did two episodes with me, so like people probably are yes, familiar with who Joey is. But um, let's they're probably get... scratching their heads wondering why you left let me back on. <laughs> like a lot of feedback I got was like they, a lot of people liked your episode, yeah, your episodes with me. Oh. So like I, I don't 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 be self conscious about it uh, about. Uh, you know what people think about you, Joe. I think you have a very deep knowledge <laughs> about professional wrestling, about Japanese professional wrestling, and hopefully about Jushin Thunder Liger. Um, hopefully, let, let, let's let's talk about Jushin Thunder Liger and what he means to you. Like, why do you love Jushin Thunder Liger, and do you love him? Uh, oh yeah, I mean, I'd. I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves, but the match we're reviewing today uh, was probably my first memory of actually watching a match of Jushin Thunder Liger. Um, yeah, what's there not to love? Like, uh, strip away all of his, like, the outfit and the mask and uh, the hair, fake or not. Um, Keiichi Yamada is a great wrestler, uh, but at the root of everything, he's he's incredible. But with all the pop and circumstance, the outfit and everything. He's, he's, I mean, a legend. Uh, <laughs> what else is, is uh, needed to be said about him? Well, what, what caught your eye about him the first time you saw him wrestle? <laughs> uh, his mask. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's a, it's got like several horns sticking out of it. He's got like long flowing black hair. Um, he hit hard. I mean, his whole outfit was, is, 
just bright red. I mean, it's, he just like pops out from the screen and, uh, and followed by that. He's an incredible wrestler. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to echo the sentiment. The first time I saw him was in WCW against uh, Brian Pillman when they were doing okay. the, uh, the whole tournament for the WCW light heavyweight title. And I remember seeing him for the first time, and I'm just like, whoa, he's wearing a full body suit. Like, I've, mm-hmm. not, I've not, not that I've never seen a full body suit. I've seen, I remember, uh, I don't know if you remember Lasertron in uh, Jim Cocker Promotions in the 80s, which I think was played by, I think it was one of the Guerrero brothers, maybe Hector. Or Chavo Senior, I can't remember if that's the case, but he had like a full body suit, except like he had bare sleeves. But Jason Thunder Liger basically is covered head to toe in his costume, except for his his hands. And I was just like, I've never seen that. Like, how do you wrestle that way? Because it's 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 hot. Wrestling is makes you sweaty and shit. Yeah, <laughs> and he's got the horns, and I'm like, whoa. And like, really, I mean, the comparison is, you know is with Tiger Mask, the first one, Satoru Sayama, whereas he was a revolutionary masked junior heavy wrestler in the 80s. He, Him and Dynamite Kid revolutionized the sport of wrestling, really. And then you have Liger. And I don't think it's it's unheard of to say that you know Liger changed the face of professional wrestling, not only in Japan, but in America and, and Europe as well. Yeah, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he have excursions to both Canada and Europe uh, when he was a young boy as KG model. Yeah, so he went to I think All Star Wrestling in in the UK for I think it was for Brian Dixon. He worked a lot there. I think he did some World of Sport as well. Maybe he, in the tail end of World mm-hmm. of Sport, I could be wrong about that. But he also you know came to uh, Canada. He worked at, uh, at at the Stampede promotion and like in his biography on Wikipedia, like they they do mention that he uh, worked a lot with Stu Hart in the Dungeon. He did some training there. So, you know, that, that, that can't help make you, be- make you better. Like, I don't know any wrestler that's, that's bad that came out of the dungeon, like, like the legit dungeon, like where Stu Hart is still stretching people, right? Like, I don't know about this right. new dungeon where it's just like the, you know, like, like Keith Hart and Bruce Hart maybe training people or not training people, as I recall from Chris Jericho's book, <laughs> you know, like Chris Jericho and Glenn Sturm, like, you know, quote unquote, come out of the dungeon, but they weren't actually trained by Stu. So, you know. And like Harry Smith and, and and Tyson Kidd aren't really you know true dungeon graduates in the sense of they were, you know they they were stretched by by Stu. Maybe Harry was when he was a kid because you know mm-hmm. Stu his grandfather. But uh, yeah, but like for me the, the like kind of the class ends with Owen really and and Benoit and Pillman and people like that is like the last true class of the, the dungeon uh, coming out of Calgary and so and Liger is part of that. Like he yeah. did some training and like, yeah, that's synced up right with, with the beginning of those guys, his careers. And also with, if you, if you think about it, like, like people like Hashimoto and Hase went to Calgary, they worked their weird Asian stereotype gimmicks there, uh, you know, working for, for the Hart family. And they, i I would imagine that they did some training with Stu Hart. Like if, if I'm new Japan and I'm sending you guys to excursion in Calgary to work for Stampede, I'm, I'm going to be like telling Stu Hart. Yeah. Like if you could train these guys too, cause you're, a legend and you're you know like and you produce so many amazing wrestlers through you know like brett owen right we can just go through the list and that i think bad news allen is also in that in that uh in that conversation as well because he spent so much time dynamite kid and dave boy smith the the senior were all part of that kind of dungeon class so 
uh, yeah, it's it's amazing to think that he did ex- that. Liger is part of that. He has he's part of the dungeon legacy in in the history of professional wrestling. Um, but yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool. Like, um, but today we're gonna look at a match that you you said is near dear to your heart, obviously because you picked it. It's uh, tell us about this match. Okay, so today's match is uh, Jushin Thunder Liger versus Rey Mysterio Jr. From Starcade 1996. Uh, Starcade 1996 is probably one of my like top ten favorite pay per views in general of all time. It's such a like a fun show. Um, not to go too deep into the card, but you have the D Malenko versus Ultimate uh, Ultimate Dragon in the opening match for the J Crown title. Uh, you have you also have Chris Benoit versus Jeff Jarrett in an awesome match. You have this match. You have Hogan versus Piper in an surprisingly a great main event uh, for for those two to have in 1996. Um, yeah, it's uh, in front of like a hot Nashville crowd um, right at like probably right before the peak of like the NWO stuff. So like the crowds were just rabid. Um, but this specific match. Um, is very unique because as far as my research, uh, as far as I could I could find on the internet, cage match, everywhere else, these guys have only stepped in the ring on shows together. Um, they've shared a ring three times, uh, in, which includes this match. Uh, the other match uh, prior to this uh, would have been a war match. I think it was a like an eight man tag and Mike Tanay actually brings up in the match, uh, that we're reviewing, uh, like that these guys had like a 30 second interaction in that one. And then, uh, fast forward, what, 1996 to 2018, uh, like 18 years. Um, they tagged together at dominion last year. Um, but besides that, these guys have, never wrestled another singles match tag match or anything uh which is very surprising to me so this is their only singles match in recorded history correct i i, I might be wrong but i'm pretty sure i don't i don't think you're wrong i think like even ray mysterio has referenced like when he was doing the the short stint he did in in new japan before he resigned with the wwe that like like i want yeah. to face Jushin Thunder like i think he referenced that i've only fought him once in a singles match i'd like to s- have another one that obviously that never happened like vince dangled the uh it, it, the money bags in front of him he parked up the truck to juice to ray mysterio's yep. house and and he said we'll we'll take on uh walter jr or sorry dominic uh as well we'll make <laughs> we'll, we'll take him into the company as well so maybe that was that was too uh, tempting for for ray and he said he tried to get dominic into the uh into the new japan dojo but they were like saying uh he looks too much like walter uh we, we can't use <laughs> He, he looks the size of Walter when he's standing next to his dad, too. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, actually, they were supposed to have a match uh, last year, a singles match, at one of the Long Beach shows uh, before Ray went back to the WWE, but it got canceled because Ray uh, got hurt, and they uh, reworked the card around, and uh, Liger ended up wrestling Osprey in an awesome match, but it's still kind of sad that uh, we never got to see these two uh, go at it again. Well, you know, Joey, we have this match. We have Ray Mysterio Jr. 
versus Yushin Thun Liger, December 29th, 1996, from World Championship Wrestling from uh, the Municipal Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, Starcade 1996. What is it called now? What is this arena called now? Or what's the arena that's replaced this arena called now? It's like the maybe something like the fucking uh, uh, Slurpee, Slurpee Center or something <laughs> like that. Uh, so Nashville's uh, like their major arena in downtown Nashville is Bridgestone and it's a modern arena, but this arena still, uh, I, b- I believe ring of honor still runs there. Um, who else? Uh, TNA probably has run there back when they first started and maybe for a couple pay-per-views later on in their run. But um, yeah, it's still standing. They still have concerts and events there. Uh, fairly often oh, that's nice to hear surprisingly that's nice to hear like, <laughs> yeah we yeah it's a, we still have it's maple, cool little uh, like maple, in toronto maple leaf gardens is still around but we call it the manate center like whoever bought the building i i, I don't know about you joey just on a side tangent here like i hate the the corporate sports buildings because like if they sell it then you have to change call it something new and some of these i'm sorry some of these names are absolutely ridiculous like bridgestone like that's tire <laughs> company like that's okay that sounds okay you know like um yeah. It's called the Scotia Bank Center now, but the it, before it was called the Air Canada Center, which I still refer to it as. Mm-hmm. We call I think yeah, we, we had to hang the the nickname the Hangar on it. Uh, I still call the Roger Center the Sky Dome. Oh, I had no idea they uh, they renamed oh. it. Yeah, that that place will always be the Sky Dome. <laughs> yeah, Wrestle what was that WrestleMania six and the one with Rock and Hogan and eighteen, 18. The one with Rock and Hogan. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, like some of these ones, like the fucking KFC arena like or what's the one what's the one in louisiana like in new orleans it has a horrible name uh well they have the cajun dome in dome in lafayette um which is actually a pretty cool name uh but i forget the i think that might be the kfc center okay it was one of, no, I, I think wanna... like whenever they had like you know uh, wrestlemania takeover i think where takeover was last year it was like it's a horrible corporate yeah. name like the something like the fucking i don't know the Duck Dunkin and Donuts, Donuts Center, Center or something like that. There's a terrible <laughs> Western Union. I think that's Western Union is where in Los Angeles. Uh, they have the Staples Center. That sounds okay. The Staples Center sounds okay. And yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, Western um, Union Center. Save your money. Fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our 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 arena here in St. Louis has it was built in '94 and it was originally called the Keel Center. Then they named it, they renamed it uh, the Scott or the Savas Center. Then it became the Scott Trade Center, and it is now the Enterprise Rent-A-Car Center. <laughs> so it's like, like gradually getting worse and worse. Uh, but yeah, I still call it. Yeah, the I, would, I would too. <laughs> the only arena in, in Japan that's like that is in Osaka, Edeon Arena. You know, because like, um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Store chain Edeon bought the the rights to it. Before that, it was called the Body Maker Coliseum. But I always refer to it as well. I refer to it as Eddie on Arena. I don't. I think that's an okay sounding name. But uh, yeah, let's get back to uh, this match: Rey Mysterio Jr. versus Jushin Thunder Liger. Commentary is done by Tony Giovanni, Bobby the Brain Heenan, Dusty Rhodes, and the Professor Mike Today. And of those four, Mike Today this... is the only person who knows what he's talking about. <laughs> yes, this commentary team. Like, I wish so badly that. Like we could like just put them in our pocket, bring them to shows now and just like have shows be commentated by these four guys because it was so entertaining. Even with Dusty and uh, Heenan kind of throwing things off the rails, you had Tanae there that kind of like brought it, reeled it all back in. Um, and he was trying to 
be all technical for the hardcore fans, like calling Dragon Screw leg whips, which Heenan and uh, Dusty Rhodes have a ball, just kind of bantering off of, and making jokes. And uh, man, I, I was I was chuckling to myself quite a bit when I was watching this. You recently. know the funny thing about yeah, you know, let's talk about Dusty Rhodes. Like what I find interesting about Dusty Rhodes, like in his promos when he's an active wrestler, he had this penchant, right? Like if you watch any of this stuff on YouTube, you know, like he'll call, he'll just pepper it all his promos with baby, right? You know, let me tell you something, baby. <laughs> Ric Flair, baby. Dusty, baby. You know, I'm a plumber's son, baby. <laughs> it's like, but on commentary, he really doesn't say baby all that much. I can't recall him saying baby at least even once on during this match. Yeah, no, I don't remember it. But he he did, uh, he mentioned when Tanay uh, gave the call for the dragon screw leg whip, you could hear uh murmurs of, of laughter from Heenan and Rhodes <laughs> and then Dusty says something along the lines of I'm gonna have to remember that for later on tonight <laughs> and then he goes what was that called babe and he's like oh that was a dragon screw leg wig, baby <laughs> I don't actually I don't think he, he had the baby though but um yeah I was I was rolling <laughs> That was so funny. Let's look at it to the match itself. Uh, so you can find this match on the WWE Network under the uh, Starcade 96 tab. Uh, at, we start this match at the 39 minute, 30 second mark. And we hear the familiar sounds of every generic Asian themed entrance song. All North American <laughs> wrestling promotions used for Japanese and other Asian wrestlers, Joey. Like we don't hear, you know, the Jason Liger signature theme. We hear like this, I don't know, like chimes and shit that they think, oh, yeah, he's Asian. Let's use some Asian music for him. And I think I, I'm going to say yeah. they probably had like four songs like on on like on the on tape at this time. It's 96, probably on tape on CD where they said, OK, uh, which one's for Ultimo Dragon? I don't know. Just use disc three. Just use disc three. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. disc four is for. OK, because. This had a lot of Japanese talent on it, right? So we had like Ultimo, we had Akira Hokoto was on the show, we had Jushin Thunder Liger, and so like I'm sure they were like, which one? Which is the music we used for Hokuto before? Like, who cares? They're all Asian. That's their thinking back then. Let's be honest, Joey. That's their thinking <laughs> WCW at the time, and probably the WWF as well. But we we start the the match. We hear this really boring music, and then. Uh, on commentary, like I said, is Shivani, Tanay, Heenan, and Dusty Rhodes. And they are talking about everything except Liger during this match. They're talking about the Piper Hogan main event. I think they're, they're talking about the, the match before. Um, it's really Tanay who really, you know, brings it back to Liger and, and to this match, this upcoming match with Rey Mysterio. He's talking about, like, you know, Ultimo Dragon defeated Dimalenko to win the the cruiserweight title and added to his uh, J crown collection Hoko to beat Medusa to win the WCW world women's title. Whatever happened to that? I wonder if Hokoto is still the WCW world women's champion. She might still have that title. <laughs> uh, and then that's kind of like, there's a series. They're kind of like this. They're alluding to this kind of mini series, Japan versus the United States here. Um, so uh, Ray comes out next and I don't know about you. Like I felt he had really weird, kind of music did really suit his character like obviously later on he would get like uh hip-hop themed music but here it sounds like it should belong to like some kind of roman gladiator wrestler the music he's using yeah that was that was actually his his uh his music for uh, until he what what, what was his faction uh, filthy animals uh, 
it filled the animals. Yeah, uh, that was this was his music. The like the bop 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 that uh, that whole thing was. Uh, yeah, <laughs> for some reason they gave that to Ray <laughs> until he lost his mask. I, I felt that they used a very similar type of theme. I think it had the same rhythm as Dimalenko's theme song in WCW. Um, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Very very similar. I felt um, so. Uh, I I just got a. I just made a note. Ray looks so different in 1996 compared to now he's so much like thinner and he's more uh, i don't know agile it's not like he's not agile now but like he's so much more mobile i feel like because he's just so like thick comparatively speaking and i i think he he oh, doesn't yeah. obviously injuries have caught up with him um even with all the the, the stem cell therapy he's done uh, like, <laughs> he's still kind of like why does not move like he did to see him in 1996 again i'm just like wow he's so young He's so like fresh. It's like <laughs> you feel like he could do anything and everything that is possible to do for a human being to do as a high flying wrestler who comes from a lucha libre background. Yeah, uh, I mean that was yeah. This match was before the dozens of knee surgeries on both of his legs. <laughs> so um, yeah, and before he got on the gas and everything, and yeah, this was like right when he he was breaking out. I mean his. His big match, his big debut match with uh, Dean Malenko at Great American Bash '96 was six months prior to this, and he, you could tell he was uh, gaining steam and popularity in WCW by this time. Um, on, on the other hand, the guy that we're uh, kind of focusing on in this review uh, was kind of met with like very subtle reaction from the crowd, even though his his uh, very unique look that we already described earlier. Well, like in contrast to Ray, like Liger looks about the same now as he does in 1996. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the full. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Liger in his career, he went from being like just a jacked mother, you know what, to like uh, like in the early to mid 2000s, he kind of got a dad gut. And then in recent years, he's kind of leaned back down, which has helped his mobility, I think. Um, but yeah, at this point he was just like jacked to the oh, gills. He's in better shape now than he was in like 2006 for sure. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, Liger comes out and already, you know, big USA chance, Joey. Have you ever done the USA chant? Oh, I mean, I've, I've seen Hacksaw Jim Duggan live. So I'd imagine <laughs> like when, when like a patriotic wrestler would come wrestle in, in Toronto, for the WWF or the uh-huh. WWE or WCW, people would people in Toronto like it always baffled me when people in Toronto would chant USA, and I'm like, "We're Canadians. What the fuck are you people doing?" <laughs> I guess would that have changed in like '97 with the the whole Bret Hart feud and everything? I don't know. I didn't go into any live shows like in '97, so uh, I see. I, I, I got gotcha. I wouldn't have been privy to what they were chanting. I doubt it. Probably if anyone started a USA chant at that during the Bret Hart versus the USA you know feud in the wbs like it would have been <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sh- shouted down like i would i wouldn't have done it even if there were american people in there i'd be like just it's not a good idea don't do, don't do it joey don't start the usa chant here okay, for your for your boys for your patriotic boys the road warriors and uh Ken Shamrock, okay like don't do it i will so, not <laughs> anyways uh they shake they shake hands at the start of the match and really the early part of this match is them grappling and liger really showing his superior size and power against right so he's hitting with shoulder tackles he's like you know like blocking a lot of race striking and it, it's really telling like wow like you think of Liger as being a smallish 
size wrestler, but compared to Ray, he's like he. It's like he's um he's Lance Archer, and Ray is Will Ospreay. That's kind of like the kind of the size difference between these two guys uh, in the junior heavyweight division. Yeah, it's it's pretty jarring. Um, I, I I noticed it a few times when uh, Mysterio was on the mat and like Liger was kind of towering over him. It's like man. Like I've stood next to Liger recently, and I've, I've got a—I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I've got a good like six inches on him, and he was like towering over Ray. And I've never stood next to Ray, but I know he's a short guy. But I can't imagine he's that small. But yeah, this there's a stark difference between these two guys at this point. Definitely. Um, uh, Mike Tenay references uh, Liger's brain tumor surgery and his return to wrestling just two months. Uh, like later after he had the surgery he came back two months later i think in his return match was a singles against uh, chris benoit benoit uh, yeah like you're really uh, overpowering and dominating ray in the early part of this match uh, uh the referee uh, i should note that the referee is mark curtis uh, aka uh, brian hildebrand who passed away unfortunately early in his life um one of the one great referees of all time definitely uh, i and yeah. he, i i gotta also say i love referee outfits at this time in wcw it's the blue shirt just the the light blue and, yeah and the bow ties i i it's a good look I those. i'm kind of i kind of wish like if one major company uses the stripes then another company should use like kind of the the, you know, the tennis shirts like the ones that the all japan referees use and then another company yeah for should sure. use like the the blue shirts and bow ties because I, I just to differentiate like your product from another to stand up yeah to stand out yeah. So AEW should have like uh, blue shirts and bow ties. <laughs> that hey, I it would go in line with Wednesday Night Dynamite versus Monday Nitro. They're on TNT. I mean, why not? <laughs> I bet Cody's pushing for that. Cody would be the type of person in the elite that was like, "We need to do this. We need to no more striped shirts. We're going with the blue shirt, short sleeves, and a bow tie." And I can see, uh, yeah. <laughs> I can see a lot of the reference. Probably Earl Hebner, like, okay, oh yeah, I like that look. Everyone else is probably like, oh, shit, we gotta wear that. Damn. Anyways, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, one more note on Mark Curtis. He will live on forever in the footage and in uh, WCW NWO Revenge because they didn't have a referee like animated into the game. Actually, they didn't have like a like a what would they call them? What would those the characters be called? Uh, But they had like little animations that would like fly on the screen whenever you'd go for a pinfall, and it was clearly of Mark Curtis. I was. (laughs) <laughs> a little tangent, he, but I always thought he's that was also cool. forever known as uh, the guy in Smoky Mountain Wrestling who was Cowabunga <laughs> dressed as a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Oh, really? I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that was him because like he came from Smoky Mountain, right? Because like he's friends with with Cornette and uh, and Cornette helped get him. I think Cornette helped get him his job in WCW as a referee, and he could they weren't going to take him as a wrestler, obviously because of his size. But like, yeah. we'll take you as a as a referee. But he was, I think, he was Cowabunga. In, in uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Ray uh, finally turns the tide of this match by reversing a pop-up slam into her Hurricanrana. He dodges Liger's follow-up with a leapfrog and an Asai backflip and sends Liger to the floor with another Hurricanrana. Uh, Ray psychs out Liger with the uh, move that would eventually become the 619. He's not using it. This is not until like he's in the, the WWE that he's using uh, the 619. Yeah. Uh, Ray tries to suplex Liger from the apron to the ring, but Liger is too big 
and too strong for him. Uh, uh, Liger instead suplexes Ray straight to the floor instead, which I thought, wow, that's fucking awesome. And like, this is where really, I think the crowd really starts getting into this match and like they pop for like these kind of really, at this time, dangerous apron spots that we would look, look at now and think, yeah, that's nothing. Eh." (laughs) Yeah. It's just a transition spot at this point. Uh, But uh, yeah, no, he, Liger was uh, not holding back in this match when it comes to punishment to Rey Mysterio. I mean, he he gave him a, after this sequence, I believe he gave him a a, a power bomb on the floor, which was just it just looked and sounded brutal. Yeah, definitely. Like you can see Rey grabbing his head. I don't think that's that's not selling. I think that's legit. He probably his head probably bounced off one of those blue mats. Um, the the commentators talk about the shift in Liger's style to a more you know quote unquote deliberate and methodical style, and I. And I think, you know, they're, they're onto something. Definitely Tanay is, has been watching his, you know, Liger matches in New Japan pro wrestling. Cause like after his brain tumor, really Liger shifted from a more high flying style to more of a technical wrestler where I, I would argue like in 1996, like he's one of the best technical wrestlers on the planet up there with, in my estimation, Brett the Hitman Hart. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liger hits uh, his uh, tilt-a-whirl backbreaker and applies the surfboard to Ray. Uh, Ray reverses a vertical suplex attempt and hits a released German suplex, which I was surprised to see. Ray Mysterio hitting a yeah. released German suplex. Uh, he goes for a standing moonsault, a DDT, an Arabian press moonsault, a springboard dropkick, uh, and then I'm thinking, and then he applies the Kaimo clutch, and I feel like I'm watching a Sabu match instead of a Ray Mysterio match here. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of taking Sabu's entire moveset and kind of putting it right there, right in the middle of this match. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's doing Sabu's moveset, but he's doing it so much better because he's like a superior wrestler to Sabu. <laughs> <laughs> and, if, and don't at me, Sabu fans. You know Sabu was a daredevil, but he was a shit wrestler. Especially compared to someone yeah. like Mysterio Jr. All right. Anyway, I don't want to get into an argument about Sabu. Uh, 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 Danae references the upcoming Drake Crown title match that Liger will have on January 4th, 1997 at the Tokyo Dome against, uh, you know, some of these guys, they say Ultimo, but some of them say Ultimo. Ultimate. Ultimo. Yeah. Ultimo Dragon. Uh, what, Joey, did you did you research this? What is the Drake Crown? Like, we should talk about the Drake Crown. Sure. Um, so, six-year-old me just thought, the J crown was, uh, just this random like title for, uh, like these six belts, which I guess I was right because, uh, um, like the, it's basically a unification of eight light heavyweight and junior heavyweight belts from all over the world. Um, Liger was the person who actually thought of this and it was a tournament that ran, uh, uh, coinciding with the G one climax that, that year in 1996. Um, I've got the list of opponents. You want me to go through them? No, we just talk about. Let's just talk about the the the, the titles. What titles comprise the J Cup? The J Crown? Oh, sure. Uh, so we had the British Commonwealth Junior Heavyweight Championship, uh, which is was at the time. I'm not sure if it still is, but it was uh, it was uh, defended in Michinoku Pro, and it was held by Jushin Thunder Liger. Uh, we had the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title held by Great Sasuke, the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship from the NWA. Uh, Masayoshi Motegi held that at this point when uh, these titles all were unified. Uh, CMLL's contribution was the NWA World Welterweight Championship held by Negro Casas. 
the UWA Junior Light Heavyweight Championship, uh, which was held by Shinjiro Otani and defended in Michinoku Pro in UWA. Um, Ultimo Dragon held the War International Junior Heavyweight Championship, uh, obviously defended in war. Uh, Gran Hamada, who is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, uh, held the WWA World Junior Light Heavyweight Championship and defended in WWA. And then El Samurai was the final champion, and he actually held the WWF Light Heavyweight Championship, um, which WWF kind of just forgot about for years <laughs> and uh, actually was the reason why the J crown was disbanded uh, about six or seven months after this match took place. Can you imagine the conversation in Titan Tower in 1996, 1997? Hey, <laughs> Pat, what the hell is this uh, J crown? What if you see they got the uh, one of our one of your dad's belts? What? Get that fucking thing back. I'm, I'm sure they call it in Japan. Said, we, we want our our championship belt back. Like, I think, yeah, I think like fucking Sayama probably won it or something and took it back to New Japan when they still had a relationship with him and just kept it. And then New Japan just kept the fucking thing there. <laughs> I think Chris Benoit held that belt once. I think they were giving that belt to people who won the J Cup at some point. I, I, I yeah. think something like that. Anyways, it's, it's a very funny situation, but they eventually yeah, it was- dissolved it because the WWF said, we want that belt back. Yeah. And then at the time when, when uh, everything was relinquished, Shinjiro Otani was the J Crown champion, and I guess he was he gave WWF their belt back, and then he was just like, "Screw this! I'm just going to hold on to the IWGP belt, and then whatever else happened with the the rest of the belts." But um, yeah, interesting story. But like the J Crown was pretty cool to like see like the champion actually enter the ring with all these belts. It was really cool visual. Yeah, and then like they'd have like you know uh, young women in bikinis holding oh, yeah. <laughs> during, during during announcements uh, portions <laughs> of uh, title matches. Um, getting back to the match, um, uh, Ray goes for another springboard, but uh, Liger catches him with a drop kick in midair, which pops the crowd. Uh, Liger hits his own release German suplex on Ray. He puts Ray in a single leg Boston Crab, and at this point, I see Bill After. Of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, yeah, at ringside yeah. taking photos, which is really cool. Yeah, I, I noticed him earlier in the match when, uh, right after uh, Liger powerbombed Ray, uh, I noticed him in the corner by the stairs. I'm like, is that Bill After? He still has the same hairline, and he almost looks exactly the same nowadays, just a little bit older, which is good for him. <laughs> Bill After is one of those people that like probably looked older than he actually was, and so when he's the actual age that he looks he looks young yeah pretty <laughs> cool that he should way to right. kind of age i guess <laughs> some people might think that i i don't know like i i'd rather look y- like my age and then still look younger than i actually am which a lot of people will say to me now like oh, yeah to my age they're like what really you look much younger and i'm like thank you it's it's my korean genes you know the secret is i'm gonna okay this should be on a patreon but i'm gonna reveal the secret to good skin (laughs) all right is drink lots of water and eat a lot of kimchi okay that's kimchi kimchi it's why koreans have like a lot of koreans have good skin i really feel this it's like we eat kimchi like it's really good for you so that's interesting i love kimchi so (laughs) so don't believe this sk2 bullshit you know skin cream or or korean skin product is kimchi that's what all the beautiful korean women with the beautiful skin are using to get beautiful skin is eating kimchi so there you go this is free i should just start my own (laughs) i should start the patreon 
dot com slash forward slash fucking kimchi kimchi skin that's what it should be called that's awesome interesting well now i'm now i want some bibimbap <laughs> there you go a bibimbap bibimbap okay yeah, yeah. So i'm gonna have to teach it's you one how to of my speak. favorite plates I, your, your japanese is good but i'm gonna have to teach you how to speak korean now okay uh <laughs> from here liger hits the the dragon screw leg whip that yeah, you and i referenced earlier uh liger whips range the corner and follows up with a rolling capo kick at this point now yeah like you were saying joey everyone including Ten- even shivani is making fun of today for knowing the names of liger's moves it's like wow you know you know what you're talking about mike today but we don't know fucking shit so we're just gonna make fun of you <laughs> yeah somehow like I, I think Tanay handled it with with a lot of grace, considering the two people he was dealing with on commentary with him that were like, I think Shivani just kind of held back in this match, but like those two, Heenan and and Dusty just were just rolling off like lines like none other. It was it was it's great. I mean, you have to go watch this match just for that. <laughs> I, I think like maybe Bobby Heenan, I, and I love Bobby Heenan as a manager, and I like him as a commentator, but I, I guarantee probably Bobby Heenan was reining in more of his, like, mm, shall we say, uh, racial jokes probably at this match. At, in this yeah, match. yeah. Which is good. Yeah. Like, if it was Jerry Lawler at this time, it would be nonstop like, like, bullshit racism coming out of his mouth if it was him in 1996. Yeah. Let's be honest here, okay? Uh, anyways, um, Ray reverses another whip and does a monkey flip, sending Liger over and crashing to the map and follows up with a nice spin kick. Uh, the action spills back out to the floor where Ray hits a top rope acai moonsault to Liger. And again, this is like, now the crowd is even more invested because like, not Liger doing all these high-risk movers. It's it's Ray, and like people are just getting into Ray, and they're like, "Wow, this isn't someone we're going to be able to see every fucking week on Nitro and on pay per views, or if we go to live events, we're going to see this amazing like wrestler do all these moves that we're not seeing anyone else doing." Like now, everyone does the same moves, right? If you're high fly wrestling, if you're high flying wrestler, and you're good at it, there's not much difference of like people doing different moves. You're all doing the same moves, so it for but then. Ray was kind of like really a groundbreaker and a pioneer in a lot of these moves, Joey. Yeah, yeah, they're I mean the guys of today are basically just working off the template that Ray built for high flyers and uh I mean it just kind of evolved, but they're still at the root of it. It's it's all the stuff that he was doing at this point. Uh, both men are recovering on the floor. Uh, Ray is the first back into the ring and he stops Mark Curtis's ten count because he, he doesn't want to win that way. He wants to beat Liger in the ring. Uh, yeah, do you think that was a do you think that was a little bit of a botch in communications considering the language barrier and and like the the announcing actually announcers actually saved it and said Ray called them off, but I didn't actually see that. Um, but the Mark Curtis stops counting once Ray gets in the ring and see, I, I, a good I, like 5 6 seconds until Liger actually gets back in. Because I'm taking notes for this, I have to like go back. Like I'll I'll stop and then go back and rewatch some segment of each match I watch. And and I watched that back and I thought, yeah, I see Ray kind of waving off Mark Curtis. Okay. Like I think I think there is that idea that maybe Liger forgot that this is not a twenty count on the outside that he has to get mm-hmm. in by ten. And so, but like I think I think the commentary says that he like I think it was Tanay or Shivani saying he doesn't want to win this way, you know. Yeah, so, good save. Really save in light of like recent actions over in the UK. Like this is one of the things <laughs> where oh, a wrestler is able to think on their feet 
and not hurt anybody to save like a potential botch or a botch in the match where he just like waves it off. No, no, don't count. Don't count. Like, and then the commentary is like, Oh, he doesn't want to win with a count out. He wants to beat Liger in the ring. Oh, smart, smart. If only, <laughs> if only wrestlers today, and I'm not shitting on wrestlers today, but if only wrestlers today could had a better system of learning for veterans, like, like Ray and, and knowing how to do things besides like sell t-shirts to fans and like do their high spots. It, it wrestling would be so much better, you know? You know, Joey, I really think this. Yeah, I, I just, it's all kind of, uh, it's it's more about just having a brand and uh, selling your brand now, or is back then it was uh, you were a wrestler. But I mean, that's not to say I don't love the scene now. I mean, I love like all the indies. I love that there's there's all these places to work. But yeah, it's it is different now. There, there is something lost in 2019 with wrestling. I think, like, I, I'm not a hater of modern wrestling. I love modern wrestling. I really do. But there are things that we could incorporate back from, you know, back in the past. And I, I really think there's something lost when you don't have an easier system of veterans teaching, like, younger guys, like, in car rides and and you know, driving town to town and just imparting their knowledge about what to do. I, I think that's one of the big things that's lost in today's wrestling. But anyways, uh, Ray from this point hits a top rope uh, guillotine leg drop while Liger is getting back into the ring. He goes for a cover, but Liger gets a foot on the bottom rope. Uh, from here, Liger hits a diving headbutt for only a two. Uh, he's now like doing all the kind of signature moves of like his various opponents, including uh, Chris Benoit while Pegasus. Uh, Ray hits a top rope spring probe Frankensteiner. But this is really funny. Liger just lands on his feet. It doesn't. He's not doing a dramatic. He just like just pops down from the top. Yeah, he rope. hops down off the top rope. Yeah, it's not like it's like Ray didn't really get a good grip on Liger's head for doing this maneuver. And like Liger's like, oh, I'm not gonna take a big bump. He didn't actually like secure me correctly. So he just hops down. It's like if I just stepped down from like uh, I don't know, the second step of a of a you know set of stairs onto the the ground floor. I'd be like, that's all. That's all he did essentially here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Ray hits a top rope. Uh, yeah, and from here, like, and this is, again, thinking on his feet. So he, 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 like, it kind of looks like a, almost looks like a botch, but Liger saves it by just, by hopping down, and then he just follows up with a capo kick. He doesn't even d- delay. He just fucking hits him with the capo kick. It looks great. Uh, and then from here, why don't we finish off the match? Go ahead, Joey. What happened next? Uh, he picks him up, hits him with a Liger bomb, uh, gets the count. One, two, three. Ray kicks out. Almost, uh, Liger wins. <laughs> he like he did the little uh, like like right at the last second. Like I'm gonna kick out and fight. But uh, I I almost like questioned whether or not that was the actual finish. But I mean, of course it was. But Ray was I a think- uh, he. I guess he was feeling testy and he didn't want to look uh look bad. I don't know. I bet like someone like I don't know Conan was in the back. Okay, kick out of three, just kick yeah. out of three. Okay, like or maybe well, Scott, also, Hall. Scott Scott Hall was famous for this. Maybe he said, "Yo, yeah. Ray, kick out of three. Like he'll pin you, but you kick out of three. Okay." I I also wonder like they probably had plans on on wrestling again at some point in time, and it just never happened. Uh, but that would have been a good indicator to be like, no, like if they could have gone to a replay and be like, I kicked out at at three or something and they had a rematch on nitro or something but um yeah never never happened again this is the only singles match between these two legends 
Yeah. I, I do feel that the, you know, Ray kicking out at three and there's definitely like confusion among the audience. Like, oh, is that the end of the match? I, I, it kind of makes the flat the, the finish a bit flat for me. Yeah. Um, but it's overall, though, still a great match. Just an amazing display of like Ray's flying ability and like Liger's like kind of more, you know, technical approach to wrestling at this point following his his brain tumor surgery. And I just think just a really nice blending of the sounds. It's really reminiscent of kind of the matches like Ray would have with someone like like Dean Malenko, actually. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I mean, so at, over, at this time, like you were saying earlier, I mean, he, he Liger was one of the best technicians in the world, and so was Malenko. So it makes sense that uh, a fly, like, they're just great bases for Ray to, to do his thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, like, Liger gets enough credit for being an amazing base for high-flying wrestlers. Like, yeah. in, like, 19... 19- Before that, he's the guy flying all over the place, and he can work with other high-flyers, but at, you know, from 96 on, like, he's flying... He's fighting guys like Sasuke and other people like that, and then, like, he's the base. He's, like, the guy, okay, I'm gonna be the setup guy. You're gonna do all these spectacular high-flying moves, and I'm gonna, you know, take the bump for you. I'm gonna be able to, like, you know like help you set it up he doesn't get enough credit i think we talk about people like being awesome bases like i think you know cesaro claudio Castagnoli is someone that in yeah. modern wrestling and we think of he's the best base in the world um and there i don't know like too many other people that are as great as he was or liger was or you know like i even even like someone who was a high flyer himself like eddie eddie guerrero i thought Great base. He's such a great base for mm-hmm. definitely coming back, you know, from his, his his own lucha background. Like it's really amazing. And I think if you're a wrestler who has traveled the world and you've trained in different styles, like not only catch wrestling but and technical wrestling, high flying wrestling, and lucha, like that, you are able to work with people who work a different style. You know, and that's the benefit of like Liger traveling all over the world, starting off in Mexico, working in Japan dojo, and that's what provide you with like these wrestlers who can work with anybody any f- yeah final thoughts on this definitely one? um no I'm, I'm just i'm happy uh i i'm curious how many other people uh who you're having on the show actually picked this match or if i was the only one um but i also find it like insane that in 1996 the year that liger had his brain tumor uh removed um I was looking at his list of matches. Um, so he had his tournament match uh, in the J Crown in like August second of that year, uh, which was only like two minutes because I, I'd imagine he didn't want to risk anything um, any further than he had to. Um, he was back wrestling on August eighteenth, sixteen days later, for Michinoku Pro in a tag match. Um, and then his next match after that was September 23rd against Benoit, which you had mentioned earlier. And then October 12th was his full-time return. Um, he was basically wrestling almost every day at like after that. Um, and it's just crazy thinking like this guy legit had a tumor removed from his brain, from his skull. And he still had, I mean, he was only out technically for less than a month and i i don't know that's hard for me to believe but he's the guy is it's, truly it's a amazing <laughs> he was able to heal like i mean like having you're cutting open your your skull and going into your brain and like i've had surgery like <laughs> you can't do anything for like you know a couple of weeks or like a month okay like, right. i've never had brain surgery so <laughs> right 
how I don't I just don't understand like the the time frame of like he, like did he have it in between his his J Crown match and the match in Michinoku Pro, which was only sixteen days, or was it the time frame between that match in Michinoku Pro and his match with Benoit, <laughs> which is still only like twenty days? I, I don't know. Like I feel like you would need a l- any normal human would need I <laughs> like several weeks to just get back to normal so they could go back to their normal lives. But this dude's obviously doesn't lead a, a normal life. He's traveling around the world. One thing. And then he's also like yeah, wrestling. I mean, for a he's wrestling a hard style. So, I mean, and <laughs> like, it's amazing. Like, I don't know when I don't exactly know when, like all I know is that is everyone references like the time frame is two months before the, the match with Benoit. Like he was out for two months. He had the brain surgery. He was out for two months. And then he has the match. Yeah with Benoit in New Japan Wrestling, he, he, and he handpicked, you know, Benoit. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just going to, you know, just kind of on a side tangent, because we, we do we have some time left in the episode, is that, you know, this is probably the only time we're going to bring up Chris Benoit on this show, because, like, no one's picked a match with Chris Benoit. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, and I don't think anyone is. Hmm. Uh, I will say that if someone said to me, I want to pick a match with Chris Benoit, I would probably allow it, with the caveat that we talk about, like, you know, like, not too deeply, but like, you know, the, what happened with Benoit and his family, like, and like, I feel like the Chris Benoit, I always heard stories about from people who knew, who actually knew Chris Benoit personally, like very nice guy and everything. I think it was like the drugs. I think it was the head trauma, all the concussions he's had and like, just kind of like all the, the mental trauma he suffered with all his friends dying. You know, this is like, this doesn't happen like soon after Eddie dies. And that was kind of like, I think, the straw that broke his mental and emotional back. Not to excuse it. Like, listen, Chris Benoit was an absolute horrible monster for what he did to his wife and his son. And, like, I don't look at his matches, like, easily. Like, like so I, I finished this match, Joey, and then with Ray and Liger. And then, like, the match right after is, yeah, is Benoit yeah, versus Jared. Yeah. Jared and uh, he's yeah. coming out with Nancy. And he comes to the ring with, with his, been one. I'm yeah, just like, yeah. oh, it just it just really killed me. So I just wanted to say, like, if if people are wondering, are we going to ever talk about, you know, the matches Liger has with Wild Pegasus or Chris Benoit? You know, probably not. No one like of the close to 25 people that I have slated for this show, no one has even remotely hinted at wanting to do a Benoit match. And so if people were worried about that, you don't have to worry. It's probably not going to happen. And at this point, probably I would say, yeah, you know what? We've gone this far without, you know, talking, you know, like picking a Benoit match. So we're probably, I'd probably tell someone, yeah, I don't want to pick a Benoit match now. So if you're listening to this and you're wondering or if we're going to do, you know, a match with Benoit, no, probably not. It's, it's, if you feel uneasy about listening to an episode with that, yeah. you don't have to worry. Probably there's no going to, there's probably going to be no episode with that. Yeah. I mean, Liger has, has, has had a, career full of opponents that win great matches like aside from crispin why i don't think that should be an issue <laughs> but uh, yeah i mean it, i guess it is worth noting that they did have a great series of matches together but um yeah. that's all that needs to be said really given the circumstances so i mean if, if you want to see them they're readily available they're, on the internet on the wb uh, network yeah <laughs> like they're yeah on it's true. World, like... <laughs> you can't find them you, you'll have to okay. you'll have to research them I, on I, I don't know I've never done a search for Chris Benoit's shows name and find him but the network but if you look while Pegasus he's it's, he's like it's all over there like 
they have a different mindset in in Japan about you know Chris Benoit. So good or bad, yeah. Like, it, it is what it is. Anyways, so uh, Joey, at this point, like, where can more people find you on uh, if they want to hear your dissertations, thoughts about professional wrestling? <laughs> um, primarily on Twitter. Um, just follow me if if you'd like. Uh, I'm at Joey underscore Bay. Uh, I try to just talk about all the stuff I like. Uh, I don't really. I'm I'm not a negative Nancy. If I don't like something, I'm not gonna like put it out besides joey janela i had a little spat there um a couple years ago but i've learned from from my mistakes and i try to just put positivity out into the world especially with pro wrestling and then uh if you want to know me even more personally uh follow me on instagram at bowie j <laughs> uh, you should be honest with but, people uh, yeah joey. like if people want to follow you on instagram they're not going to really get to know you they're going to get to know your cats they're going to get to know my cats. Yeah. Cats, animals, and uh, my stories on Instagram are basically either like wrestling memes or yeah. videos of my cat. <laughs> cats. Or, yeah. So uh, if you're, you're into like that the type only stuff, person on my Twitter at <laughs> WH Park 9 that actually, if I like, I primarily it's a wrestling Twitter. That's basically where I do all my wrestling stuff. I don't do Facebook or Instagram with res- about wrestling, but it's, it's mainly Twitter. But yeah, same. but like occasionally I'll put up a cat video. You're like one of like one of two people of of the thousands of people who follow me that like I'm not bragging here. This is just I'm just stating a fact. Like there's over a thousand people following me. Uh, you know, like will actually like that cat video. I think I just put one up recently as of this recording. You like you like it. yeah? Wasn't it the 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 little kitten going up to the the filmmakers like they were filming a documentary or something? And he the kitten just goes and sits on the the guy's lap, and then the whole documentary crew is like filming this cameraman the one, with the yeah. cat on his lap. Go check it out. It's, you yeah, can just scroll through my timeline where I'm like like making fun of like Kenny Omega as usual, and uh, you know like uh, people saying like <laughs> people like as of this recording, people saying like oh hey, AEW has diversity. They got a guy a white guy dressed as a dinosaur. That's a sign of diversity. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta you gotta leave people on on their toes, so awesome. uh, they never know what's coming. So you gotta put that wrestling content. People think in wrestling with Twitter the, is toxic with your wrestling stuff. You know, Joey, I I, I have a carefully curated yeah, timeline is. where I I'm here for the laughs. Really, like most of the stuff just makes me laugh at the absurdity of some of the things that that happen in in the world of professional wrestling <laughs> that gets reported on 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 Twitter and it, and like yeah, there's a lot of bullshit out there and a lot of anger and stuff. I, and I I can be part of that sometimes. I, I readily admit to that, but I just try to keep it funny for the most part. And if I don't like something, I try to, I don't try to hate on it. I just try to make fun of it. And I think there's nothing wrong with making fun of something, you know? Yeah, so yeah. there you go. Anyways. So keep it, keep it uh, all follow Joey on, on Twitter, <laughs> follow myself on Twitter. And you know, like there, you're not going to be returning on this show because it's, it's each show is uh is a standalone guest, but in the near future, you know, if I have a new idea for a show, definitely someone I will be calling on to help me out with it will be uh, my good friend, Joey Bay, even though he's betrayed me, even though you betrayed oh, well, me with like not supporting my <laughs> idea of all the, the young guys in big Japan should just migrate over to all Japan because they would be booked better. You don't agree with that. I know you love big Japan. I like big Japan. <laughs> you love big Japan. So I get it, but it's not a, Hey, I, I, I was, I, I listened to your show with Dylan Fox reviewing your giving your live review of uh, uh, Death Vegas, and um, I think you kind of saw my argument. Like you, you basically explained it on that show that like 
this big Japan roster is basically a big family of dudes, like degenerates, whatever you want to call them, that are uh, they're just in their own little world, and they all seem happy there. But I do agree that if a good portion of the strong division guys move to another promotion, they would definitely be pushed more and probably spotlighted more and seen by more people because big Japan is pretty bad about their, uh, I mean, their, their video on demand service, BJW course, terrible. <laughs> I mean, I still subscribe, but it's, uh, it's not great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, WH. I just, uh, I like my, my big dysfunctional. I, get, family I, get. I just Japan. like for me, there's only really two guys I would want to see leave that company. And that's, uh, Ryuichi Kawakami. I Kawakami. I don't know why. Kawakami. I, yeah. Had at least one reign with the the strong title and and Takuya Nomura, I think he's completely wasted in that company. He's, he's an awesome wrestler. Like yeah. I think in any other company, oh. Noah or All Japan in particular, he would be you know upper mid card for sure. He's just mid card guy. Like and I, he's not even had the tag team titles. Like I think give him the tag team titles with like Abe, the astronauts. I think that's an awesome tag team. But anyways. Yeah, yeah, me too. We're, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna end things off on that note. Uh, we we start off with Liger and we're finished off with Takuya Nomura, Fuminori Abe's Rastanos Tag Team Talk. But uh, that's what you get with with WH Park and talking with Joey Bay because like we like to talk about all facets of Jap- Japanese professional wrestling, not just the topic at hand. But uh, for Joey Bay, I want to thank all the listeners for uh, tuning in and, and sticking with us for for all our tangents and stuff. And I will see everybody on the next episode. Until then. Goodbye.